we are in a series called Starting Strong. And what we're talking about is uh, what the early church looked like. What we've been saying every week is that you guys are here this morning, and you're watching online, you're here this morning, because of this, because this took place. Because Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came, and community was birthed. And so what we've been saying is, what does it look like to be in a community empowered by the Holy Spirit? What is possible for a community that is empowered by the Holy Spirit? And so that's what we've been talking about. We've talked about the importance of community and the importance of uh, listening to God and uh, hearing His voice. And this morning, we're going to see one of the, um, I think, most misunderstood um, uh, sections of Scripture about kind of where we get some theology from. But I wanted to tell you a story real quick before I got started. About 21 years ago, um, my wife and I went to a very, very conservative church. It was conservative um, all the way around, like theologically conservative, conservative, uh, politically conservative, or whatever. And um, and so we needed to change that. Uh, and so we, my my brother uh, called me one day and said, "You got to go see mom." She's getting involved in this. At the time, it was called the Toronto Blessing. So I don't know if you remember that, but um, there was people laughing and being slain in the spirit, which just means fainting, uh, for those of you who is new to that concept or what happened. So my brother says, Mom's getting into this stuff with Dad. you got to just go and see um, what, what's, what's happening. And I studied the Bible. Like I said, I was super conservative, and so I, I, just, I just studied the Bible all the time, and I, I was going to go save my mom. <laughs> from this thing that was happening that, uh, that I believed was uh, wrong. So we show up at one of the services, and I'm, I got my arm, you know, I take the worship posture, you know, of arms folded, and uh, just kind of sitting back. And, and uh, I remember the pastor starts talking, he's talking about Ephesians, and there's a section of the Ephesians that says that I may know him and the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of the suffering. This pastor kept saying that I may know him, I may know him, I may know him. And I'm like, dude, I get it. You may know him. I got it. It's in the Bible. That I may know him, that I may know him. And as clear as day, the Lord said to me, you don't know him. Now, what, just so you know, uh, what the Lord's voice sounds like, I was talking to somebody this week that had the same thing. It sounds like my voice, only something I wouldn't say. Like, something either smarter or, you know. So it's like my own head, but it's like that that came from God. And I knew that I knew that I knew that it came from God. And I was broken because I had worked so hard to know about it. I worked so hard to know everything, to get my theology right, and to have it all down. And I just said, I want to know you. And there began a softening in my heart. Well, the problem was, with that softening in my heart, so I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I start doing some of the things that they were doing there that my brother specifically called me in to say, make sure you get mom and dad out of there. Now it's starting to happen to me. Now, many of you, might, some of you in here might be like, oh, that's it, you know, he's gone off the deep end. I, I did. <laughs> like, so they called people forward, and I'm like, I'm like, I just feel him on me, right? A wonderful experience. I go forward, and um, 
And so they start praying. It's like a line of people, and then they start they start praying. So they, they lay their hands on them. And it wasn't like you know you've seen it in the in the TV shows and stuff. It wasn't just like you know you know the dude just laid his hand on me, and I just fell back. And and someone caught me, and I was on the ground. Now listen, you have to understand. And I know some of you are looking at me like, okay. I totally get it. I totally get it. So. Lisa's next to me, same thing happens to her, and we are on a gym floor together, next to each other, and I cannot move. I cannot get I, I can't move my arms, I can't move anything. So I'm on the ground, and I'm like, hi, are you over there? She's like, yeah, so we, we have this experience. This experience that I didn't think was real became real to me. And so I never was the same again. I viewed God in a completely different thing. Now, we don't do that here. I, we didn't go chasing. I didn't start doing a, like on a circuit and following around different. We just felt the spirit of God. And it was like transforming. And we um, left that church. It was a great church. It was awesome. But we were able to get to a more diverse Expression, um, and that's what got me into the Free Methodist Church, which I eventually became a pastor. So, with that story in mind, and, and again, if you're wrestling like, man, I thought that guy really was a solid person, now I'm wondering, keep thinking that. Keep, keep thinking, I wonder if he's crazy. That's great, because you will fit in with this story that we're about to read really well. As a matter of fact, no matter what you think about what happened to me or what you think about me, it's going to fit in really well, because here's the thing you're going to learn this morning. You cannot explain God. You can't explain a move of God. You can't predict God. You can't uh, make God do stuff. I think if I went to a place like that now, who knows what would happen? I have no idea. But this is exactly where we are. We're in Acts chapter 2. And um, what's happened is Jesus has ascended. Jesus has gone up into heaven. And um, there's now a seven-day gap before the Holy Spirit shows up. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, but he leaves and there's seven days. I just want us for a little bit to get into the mindset of what these um, disciples must have felt like. You know, Jesus leaves in day one, they're like, okay, when's the Holy Spirit coming? I don't know, he said it was coming. Okay, what do we do? Do we ask them to show up? Do we, like, so they just get together and pray. Day two, what do they do? Holy Spirit hasn't shown up. Maybe they start asking each other questions. Did he give a date? <laughs> like, like Thursday is good for me. Not day three, day four, day five, all the way to day seven. Now, the reason I bring this up, and the reason I think it's very important, is I call that the gap. There's a gap between when Jesus ascended and when the Holy Spirit arrived. And the reason I want to bring this up is because some of you right now are in that gap. Some of you might have had a relationship with the Lord. That was very exciting. You were maybe on fire or whatever, and now you're in this period of going, man, I wonder. Maybe, maybe you're in a period where you're questioning your faith. Maybe you're in a period where you just don't sense him anymore. I'm, I'm here to tell you that's okay. 
It's okay to be in that gap. As long as we continue to do what the disciples did. We continue, they, they kept meeting together, they kept praying. They kept meeting together, and they kept praying. Even in a time when there wasn't really anybody uh, to pray to. So here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost has become a word that's synonymous with wacky things, uh, spirit, spiritual things, mystical things. The word just means 50. <laughs> okay, the day of Pentecost is the day, it's the 50th day after the, the Passover. And so that's how we know uh, how long it was before Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit, because Jesus died on Passover, and we got three days of him dying and being in the grave, and then it says, as we read earlier, he was with them for 40 days, so that's 43 days, and this is the 50th day, so it's been seven days. But it just means 50. It doesn't mean anything uh, magical. And so, um, uh, so they're all gathered together in one place. Now watch it. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This has never happened in the history of the world, and it's happening to the disciples right now. So they hear this sound. You can imagine that it, now it doesn't say a wind did rush in. It says there was a sound like this wind. So they hear this. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So what it would look like in, in our congregation here is there would be the sound of like a rushing wind. A fire would come in and it would separate and be on each one of them. Now, when we say, Holy Spirit, come, we want to see your presence. That's frightening. <laughs> like, doesn't that sound frightening to you? It does to me. I would be totally completely freaked out, or I think I would, except that it's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit touches you, when the Holy Spirit uh, does something like this, there's no fear at all involved. And so you saw a tongues of fire that separated came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Enabled them. Now, in this particular section of scripture, it's where we, um, uh, a lot of people get the term speaking in tongues, okay? And so, um, but this is not what's happening here. They're speaking in actual dialects. The speaking in tongues that we typically refer to, um, which would be a, a, a language, a, a prayer language that if I were speaking in tongues, you probably would not understand. Uh, that is a different element of what's going on. Our denomination believes that this still happens today. I speak in tongues, okay? So now there's another reason why you can run out the door screaming. But it just happens to be one of my guests. And so uh, that's a different thing than what's happening right now. It's really important because the Bible, we don't want to, if, if we see it as something different, we're going to miss what's really happening here. When the, you have to understand, this happens all at the Passover time. And this is the 50th day. And in Leviticus, what this celebrates is the transition from barley season to wheat season. It is a new era. It's a new season. With Jesus gone and the Holy Spirit, it ushers in a new, a new season. The other thing is that this whole Passover 
The reason we even have Passover is because way back in the day, the Israelites were in Egypt, and they were slaves in Egypt, and God um, used Moses to get them out of Egypt, and that that day that they left was, was the Passover. They put the blood of a Passover lamb on their doorpost, and that allowed uh, uh, them to be uh, safe. And so they leave, and they go into the desert, and God follows them around by a cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night. And so God's presence uh, 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 as a pillar of fire would follow the people of Israel, and that was it. They were God's people, and he was their God. And that's what that fire represents. Now, as we see in Acts chapter 2, it's different. The fire comes in, but now it begins to rest on individuals. That we all, no matter who we are, whether we're Jew, Gentile, slave, free, Greek, uh, uh, male, female, it doesn't matter. We all have an ability to experience what it's like to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so all of them were, were uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were speak, uh, speaking in other tongues as the, uh, as the Spirit had enabled them. Now, what was happening at this point, because it's the, the festival, there were lots of people in Jerusalem from all over the place. So Jewish converts, Jews themselves, they all came in to celebrate this, uh, this uh, festival. And so... Um, uh, and so each one, each person began to hear them speaking in their own language. And not just their own language, their native language. In other words, if you were from the South, you would hear the Southern draw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Is that our drama? You hear that, okay? If you were from uh, New York, you'd hear that particular New York accent and all, all this kind of stuff. And, and what's incredible to me and so loving to me about this whole section is that God is calling you no matter what culture you are from. This is why I love diverse churches, and I think we did. The more diverse we can get as a church, the better off, because God can 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 meet you in your Hispanic culture. God can meet you in uh, in your whatever whatever culture you're from. Like even even if you're white, He can meet you. Okay, so that's, uh, but God God reaches out and He speaks in the voice that that you'll understand. And this is exactly what was going on. There is a new season that the Holy Spirit is ushering in. And it's that everyone is invited to the table, no matter what your background is. Everyone's invited. And so um, it goes on, and it says, utterly amazed, they said, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Now you have to understand, again, the culture in this day, Galileans were not looked upon um, very well. Okay, they were kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, but they lower class, okay? They weren't as educated or anything. So it's just, it's just incredible. God is using the lowest of the love in order to reach everybody. We see this later on in Acts where the Pharisees are amazed. They say, these are uneducated men, and yet they speak with such boldness. Why? Because there's a new season of an empowerment with the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, um, uh, then how is it that each of us hears them in, in our own uh, in our native language? How is that? Now, if you're speaking 
These, you have tongues of fire resting on you. I don't know what that looks like, or if it singes the back of your hair. I have no idea. But if you got that going on, and you're speaking in a native tongue, people are understanding you in their native tongue. What do you think it is that you're talking about? You don't know, right? Or maybe you do, and you go to speak, and out comes a different language. And it, it lists the different languages. Check this out. Uh, uh, Parth uh, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, which I don't even know what that is, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, um, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Jude, uh, Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. <laughs> so there's all these languages being spoken by Galileans. God is using the weak to reach the world. It's very cool. He said, I go on, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. That's what they were hearing. They weren't hearing a message about, um, you know, why it's important to believe, and they were hearing about the glories of God, the wonders of God in their own language. God was speaking to them about himself. God was drawing them to himself, and he's using the disciples to do it. Now, anytime something like this happens, the first thing we want to do is explain it. We want to explain it. And, 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 and trust me, having experienced something wacky like that, I wanted to explain it. I wanted to be able to like wrap it up in a nice box. And so, um, and, I, and I listened to a lot of people uh, who would explain it for me. Uh, one, Said uh, that it was just it was just demonic, and that I had given myself over, which I thought was weird because it's like the Holy Spirit has no power. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. Because here's the thing, I didn't care. I know what I experienced. I was a witness to what I had seen and what I had heard, and that's all I held accountable. What did you see? What did you hear? How did you experience it? And so anytime you have something like this, you're going to have people who want to explain it or people who push back. Let, let me show you the next verse. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. <laughs> like that was, that was the, because when you drink too much wine, you can speak in other languages. I don't know, you, I, I don't know where that, that came from, but it's like, it's not true, by the way. Okay, well, this is great. Stop. Okay. Uh, but, but that was their thing. They, could, they couldn't explain it. They, they wanted to, they, it made them uncomfortable. And, and I'm here to tell you, oftentimes when the Holy Spirit does a work in your life, it, it isn't just all, it is uncomfortable. And you've had it happen to you, I'm sure, before. But if, if you remember the day when you came to Christ, maybe you had a little bit of a history a little bit of some baggage, you had some friends before, and now God has done this wonderful work in you, and you're excited about the Lord, and you, you go back to your friends, and, and they're like, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? Like, let's go do what we used to do. And you're like, oh man, I can't. I'm, I'm now following Jesus now. It's uncomfortable. It would be uncomfortable for them, so they'll come up with all these excuses. But this is typical. And we have to have the expectation that when God does a work in our life, there's always going to be pushback from somebody. 
Always. You'll, you'll never be able to convince everybody. Your only job, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is to be a witness of what you've seen and what you've heard. So some say uh, they've had too much wine. Uh, Peter stands up with the 11. So that's kind of cool. Like the, the picture it shows, it's like all of a sudden, like the disciples stand up and they got like fire on them, they're speaking other languages and stuff. And, and so they, they stand up, and Peter goes, It's nine in the morning. It's not a wine thing. And he goes into this dialogue with the boldness. I mean, we just saw Peter not too long ago denying Jesus. Just 43 or 50 days ago, he was denying Jesus. And now, with that boldness, he's up there and he's talking about the things of God. You know why? Because there's a new season with the Holy Spirit that empowers him to be able to do that. Many times in the Acts, it'll say, Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit, comma, opened his mouth. And so he talks about um, what, what is actually happening. Now watch what he says. We, we went over this section of scripture a few weeks ago, but I want to go over it again very briefly. He starts quoting the prophet Joel, and he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All. Oh. Oh. This is a new season. See, before, it was restoring the nation of Israel. That when Israel was restored, that was the vehicle by which people found God. They went through uh, uh, the Jews. They went through the sacrifices. They became converts to Judaism. Now, God has opened it up for how many people? All. Oh. For all people. I poured out my spirit on all people. And then he just goes into what all what all means. Because you have to explain what all means. You know what all means? All. Right? You guys are you guys are on it. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, I mentioned we are a free Methodist church, and uh, um, if you go to the membership meeting today, I'll explain what all of our freedoms are, um, but we're a free Methodist because we came out of the anti-slavery movement. We were very strong on freeing the slaves. That was one of our freedoms. Our other freedom was um, uh, the... the uh, Power for laity, basically the not pastors, to have authority and to be able to minister. We believe in what they call a priesthood of all believers. In other words, I believe you can pray for somebody just as good as I can pray for somebody. That you can teach somebody just as good as I can teach. That, that there's a priesthood of all of us to be able to minister. And so that's what Joel is talking about, is this idea of, of everyone. As a matter of fact, just to warm up for the membership class today, in our denomination, every single board, every you know, because you have these different boards, a property and finance board, and a board that does this, and you know, it's because you're bored. Anyway, uh, every single one is half laity, half just person who attends church, and half pastors. So you can't have pastors just taking over and making up all these rules, and you can't have people who aren't pastors yet. It's split right down the middle, and, and uh, we just love that part of our denomination because it brings a lot of variety, a lot of diversity to, to the thought when we do things. And so he says, even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. And he starts talking about these wonders, these crazy wonders, okay? I will show wonders in the heavens above 
and, uh, uh, and the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And you think, wow, that sounds frightening. In fact, it's just a reminder that we can't put a lid on God. We can't describe it. We can have good theology, we can have good doctrine, but we're never ever going to be able to explain him. The Bible even promises this and says his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And some of you right now might be going through some things in your life where you think God has abandoned you. God didn't work the way you had planned. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, maybe with the loss of a loved one that God didn't do what he was supposed to do. But I'm here to tell you that God works all these things for his good. And if you are in a gap time, a season where you just don't feel he is there. I was talking to somebody today, um, I mean this week, uh, a friend, and uh, he was talking about what he had seen in a movie, is this one line, which I thought was really cool, is that the person was going through this trial and not hearing God's voice. And the person said, don't you know that the teacher is silent during the test? <laughs> you know? And I thought, well, that's, that's really sweet, you know, that God, even during these trials, even though God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. Now, why do we talk about the moon turning the blood and the this and all that kind of stuff? Because we need to see this very next verse. This is the heart of God. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That this idea that it's for all people, that, that no matter what your background is, no matter what your culture is, no matter what your gender is, no matter who your friends were or whatever, that God wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit. That God, if there's a dryness, God wants to water that area of your life. If there's a time you've maybe pulled away and maybe you're running from God, he's running after you. He's coming after you. Not coming after you. That sounds scary. <laughs> he's running towards you to get you back. Now, he goes on, Peter talks for quite a while and he gets to this part of the sermon that's really that's like really strong. And he basically says, you killed him. You guys killed him. And then he says this, and this is, this is why, again, why we're all here. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. One of the reasons why I am a follower of Christ is this resurrection thing. <laughs> that these guys really saw Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah. And, and that fueled them, that and the power of the Holy Spirit fueled them into this wonderful time of ministry. They were, they were transformed. And so he says, God raised them from the dead. We are all witnesses. And then he goes on, he says, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. They become witnesses to it as well. He says this, talks a little bit about that, and he says, therefore, that all Israel be assured, assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This, this language, Lord and Messiah, means 
uh, this very rich language for the people they were talking to. They are basically saying, he's the Messiah. He's the one talked about in the Old Testament. What they were waiting for, what they were longing for. And that it just didn't look like what they had expected. Because you can't put expectations on God. It looked different. It was supposed to be a guy leading an army and driving off the Romans. But it turned out to be a servant. Someone who didn't even um, uh, defend himself when being uh, sent to, to trial. Just quiet. And he breaks the chains of sin and death. Listen. This same Jesus, that 2,000 years ago, that the resurrection gave these disciples the boldness, this same Jesus is available today. It's available to experience what it's like to have a relationship with him. The same Jesus that ascended to heaven is available for you to say, I would like you to be my Lord and Messiah. And so, uh, he's, this is what happens. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, um, and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? <laughs> what, you, what you said makes a lot of sense. I, we understand that. But we want him to be our Lord and Messiah. And here's what he says. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In uh, on October 23rd, we're going to have uh, another round of baptisms. We do that during the service, and we do it back here, and people get a chance to share their testimony and share what God has done in their lives for a little bit, and they'll be baptized, and it's very powerful. I would encourage, if you've never been baptized, or maybe you are in a place where you've been coming here for a while, and you are like, you know what? I think I'm ready for him to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer uh, in a little bit. But I'd also encourage you to do exactly what Peter says to do. Repent for the forgiveness of your sins and then be baptized. It goes on to say, um, well, then he, then he goes on and says, with many other words, because he, he's a preacher, so he's got to have many other words. Uh, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now listen to what it says. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, we're only going to have 2,000 baptisms on the 23rd, so it won't go that far. But I started doing the math, and I figured if 12, if 12, there's 12 apostles, right? And if three, they have to baptize 3,000 people. My, by my calculations, uh, which are very scientific, their service would have gone from 10 in the morning to 10 at night, and they would be baptizing somebody at a rate of three minutes a person, all at the same time. They got three minutes a person to be able to baptize someone. So it's just a, it's just like, bam, next one. What's your name? Okay, really? Bam. You know, it's like going like a little like, assembly line or whatever. Here's the thing. This same Jesus, this same um, Holy Spirit, this is what launched why we're here this morning, is available for you this morning. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to lead us in a prayer, all of us. You can pray it if you want. Uh, you don't have to, just if you're comfortable. But basically the prayer is this. 
The, the prayer is that, God, forgive me of my sins. Like, I accept what you did. I accept you as Lord, as Messiah, as my sacrifice. I accept you being the sacrificial lamb that died on the cross for my sins. I, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I give you lordship over my life. Now that is a powerful prayer. And it's a serious prayer. But it's one I've probably prayed <laughs> 10, 12 times. I don't know when I became a Christian. It might have been like time nine or whatever. But as I would pray those things and give my life over to Christ, over time, what we call the sanctification, God begins to began to reveal himself to me more and more. And it began, began to be freedom. It began to be peace. And so I want to give us that opportunity this morning as Ajua comes back up and um, um, I'm going to pray for us and, um, and then we're going to do one more thing at the end of the service. But um, if you'd like to pray this, and you might have prayed this prayer before, but um, it's just a prayer of surrender. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me when I become Lord of my life. I want you to become Lord of my life. And so I give you my life to rule and to reign by the power of your blood. In your name, amen. For some of you, that might have been the very first time you ever prayed that prayer. For others, there might be a, have been a season of moving away from him, and this was your time to come back. I would plead with you that if you were in any of those camps, that you would write on your connection card, commit my life to Christ, so that we could make sure that on this journey you're not doing it on your own. And for you, maybe, maybe it's time to be baptized. Maybe that's never happened. Maybe you've known the Lord for a long, long, long time, and you've just never gotten back. Peter's Answer to the question, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. Um, I was going to read a poem that she wrote, and then she's going to lead us in one last song. And uh, when that song's over, I want to give us one more opportunity to, to do something. Um, and so, uh, but during the time that she does her poem and does the song, um, this is an opportunity for you to prepare your offering if you give here. Um, many of us give online, but if you uh, give here, we're just so thankful for all the people who support the kingdom financially. Um, so maybe you want to spend some time while the song's going just reflecting on an area of your life that needs a fresh anointing of choice. We pray, Lord, we thank you that, um, that you allowed this event to happen. That, that you you were allowed these disciples to just feel this incredible event that they were able to fuel the beginning of the church that we now are the benefit of. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, we wouldn't get in the way of an anointing of the Holy Spirit in our own minds. That there'd be nothing that we would do, pride or um, busyness or whatever, there'd be nothing that would get in the way of that. We invite you to, we invite you to pray.